Hey everyone, Andrew Fouts here, producer of Call of a Mentor. Today, you guys are going to hear a special presentation from Reach Gathering from our good friend, David Waddell, who is the academic liaison of CSRM. And he is sharing with us some stories he learned from softball and from King David himself. So we hope that you will enjoy this first part of a segment coming from our good friend, David Waddell. In fact, I did some study on it one year. So uh, in, I'll tell you, it was right before the pandemic, 2019, of the 31 people that had made the NFL uh, out of Old Miss during my tenure, 16 of them had had me for a teacher. Of the 32 that were in professional baseball in some realm, 17 had me as a teacher. All five of the uh, 2016 Summer Olympians from Old Miss had me for a teacher. So I went to the athletic department and said, look, just set up some classes for the kids that want to go pro. I'm apparently, <laughs> I'm apparently that good. I'd, I'd like to believe it's my influence that helped them get over the top. I know it's not, but I'd like to believe it is. I do have a few highlights in my uh, sports career. Uh, I was a pitcher on our uh, men's softball team, and I actually accomplished a three-pitch inning. Now, that's a no-no. You, you realize if you're the third batter up and the first two people got out on their one pitch that they got, you take a pitch. That's just like baseball rules. Um, third guy, I, I grooved it in so beautifully. You could tell it after I tossed the pitch in, his hands <coughs> like this, it went, I mean, he was just, it was like a kid at Christmas morning. It just looked so good and apparently got under it, popped up, second baseman got it. And I walked off going, there are major league pitchers that can't bribe. They got a three-pitch inning, and here I am. I guess the greatest highlight, uh, we put together a father-son team. My last year I was on staff at a church in Memphis, and uh, it, it was just fun. We had a, a group of men that all had uh, sons that were junior or senior in high school, so we decided to compete against some of the other men in the league. Sorry, we're closed. <laughs> Oh, wait, he has the food, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so we put this father-son team together, and one of our friends actually taped the game. Fifteen years later, I'm visiting my son when he lived out in Phoenix, and he's got a copy of the tape. And so he puts that sucker on, and here I come up to bat, and you get all the jeers and cheers from the, uh, from the, the crowd. Um, apparently, I have this ability to bring out the worst in people, and they're just giving me a hard time. Well, I get up and I get this most beautiful line drive right down the right field line and um, was able to stretch it into a single. <laughs> I'm watching myself on the tape and I said, James, my son, James, I said, was I really that slow? <laughs> he said, I think the tape may have sped it up for you someday. So, um, it, just, it just wasn't meant to be. But I'll tell you what, I, I have learned a lot uh, from sports and especially the game of baseball and softball, I, I would really say it's a microchism. It's an example of life in general and especially uh, that of faith. If you get up to bat, 
and you make an out or you strike out, in a couple of innings, they let you do it again. If you have a really bad game, next week you're back on the schedule. And if it's the last game of the season and you completely screw up, you only have to live with that screw up for a year because then you get to play again. And it's so beautiful because just as in life, you can make thousands of bad decisions in life, and, and there are consequences to them, I know, but if you make one good decision to follow Christ, to, to give your life to Jesus, all those thousands of bad decisions are washed away. Jesus, at the end of the time, will look at you and say, uh, tell me about your greatest hit. And you'll say, well, I believe you were the Son of God. You'll go, okay, come on. <laughs> let's, uh, let's entertain heaven. But I jotted down a few things I thought that baseball and softball does teach. Uh, first of all, we all need each other. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, Abdul said that one good player can make a team, but one good player can't be the team. I'm paraphrasing. That's good. But basically, we, we got to have everyone else. And if there's no one on second, you got to hit it out of the park to get an RBI. Someone else has to get on base for you to drive them in. And someone you have to be on base for someone else to drive you in. Uh, there are pop-ups where someone has to call it. You, you need each other. They'll tell you which base to throw it to. And, and we have to have each other. And quite often, it's the person that you don't even recognize. It may be the right fielder on the youth baseball team that does one little thing to help you in the game. We all need each other. I think of the, uh, the time, of course, it's Easter tomorrow. And so uh, basically Thursday night of that week, Jesus got all the disciples together in what they called an upper room. Some dude owned a little house and he had an upstairs room and he let Jesus and the disciples have their Passover meal in that room. That man is famous in history. That's 2,000 years ago that that happened. We have no idea who he is. We have no idea of what influence he shared in life, but he is well known because he gave up something for someone else. And so softball is that. Sometimes you hit to the right side of the field so that the guy on second can get to third with just one out. Sometimes you, you punch a ball a different direction because of the way that they're playing because it benefits the team. Softball is just like faith. Also, every player on the team is essential. Furthering that point, I remember in 1992, the Pittsburgh Pirates were playing the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Pirates were up 2-1 on the Braves, bottom of the ninth, and all that the Braves had left was this 25th player named Francisco Cabrera. Now, that's been 29 years ago. Gosh. Where's that senior league playing? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't got it together right now. He comes up to bat. His, his season average was up like 125. I mean, he was basically a utility infielder, um, you know, but he's all they had left. And they put him up to the plate. He punches a base hit. They score two runs. They go to the World Series. Every player on the, on the team is important. My middle son, who uh, inherited my athletic skills, decided he would play an important role on the team. And uh, he's just a little bit uh, 
wild in the mind. I don't know where he got it. <laughs> Probably his mother. Because uh, I shall have mine. <laughs> so at the end of the game, they need two points to win the game. And he'd been begging his coach all season long to do this one play. And so the coach finally, they're down by one, need two to win. So at the end of the game, they're bouncing the ball, passing it back and forth at the top of the key. He all of a sudden drops to all fours on the on his uh, in the corner and starts barking like a dog. And of course, and of course the other team looks, and all of a sudden the guy makes a layup. And uh, uh, classic, every person on the team is important, even, even if you're just a dog barker, uh, it, it will work. I also recognize that people don't, uh, sometimes when you do things, people are not watching. Uh, I'm a fan of watching live games. Um, I don't like baseball on TV or softball on TV because they concentrate on the pitcher and the catcher. I want to see what the outfielders are doing. I want to see how they move because they've studied this hitter and they've seen him in the league before and they know what they can do. And so this person comes up the back and we see him come over here. Sometimes just two steps. But then when they make that lunging catch, you'll realize those two steps were important. And so um, you don't often see what's going on. And, and it's the same way in faith. Um, Jesus met this guy once uh, named uh, Nathaniel, and uh, Philip, one of uh, Jesus' friends, was taking him to meet Nathaniel. And Philip first talked to Nathaniel and said, you got to meet this guy. He's the greatest thing ever. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Galilee? You know, there's your prejudice right there. What can good can come from there? Well, Jesus, when he meets him, he, uh, Nathaniel is amazed at his his brilliance and his understanding of the scriptures and Jesus said Nathaniel even before I got here I saw you doubting me under the tree and so someone's always watching maybe another person maybe God himself I always get tickled sometimes when I'm tempted to do wrong things this you, you do this <laughs> I do. Because I don't want anyone that knows me seeing see me do it, okay? because that would be all kinds of change. But I never think about the fact that God Almighty is going, okay, day, day, day. <laughs> you know better. Someone is always watching, and so your movement in the field, all of that stuff takes place. Another great point, sometimes the underdog wins. My uh, youngest son uh, was in a basketball uh, league once, and I was co-coaching with, uh, with our music minister from the church, and he had such a classic line, we were not going to be good, but we were going to be the most fun team in the league. So the guy gathered us in for the first game, uh, Miller, and he said, now boys, you've seen the other team warm up. You've recognized already that they're more talented than us. You can see that they're taller than us, but let's just remember this, that we're slower. I have no idea how that was supposed to be motivational, but um, he promised them, if we win a game, I'll take y'all to get ice cream. And uh, about halfway through the season, he says, look, if we only lose by 10, I'll take you to buy ice cream. <laughs> the last game of the season, he gathers us together and he says, I'm glad you showed up. Uh, you have earned yourself some ice cream. So uh, sometimes the underdog wins. 
Um, you just never know. That's why they play it on the field. You can watch the other team and they're just amazing, but all it takes is, is a little bit of confidence. Uh, how far did St. Peter's get in the uh, March Madness? To the elite Very far, eight. yeah, down to the eight. Yeah, that's what it was. First eight. time a 15 seed has ever gone that high. Uh, crazy. Okay? And sometimes the team that's supposed to win doesn't win. That's why uh, my beloved Chiefs are not Super Bowl winners this year. Sometimes that happens. Um, or, well, we won't mention the Cowboys. They? They? I'm just looking at the ages. Looking at the ages of your team here, I don't think any of you were alive when the Cowboys played. <laughs> <laughs> but the Eagles, oh wait, <laughs> they won it a few years ago. Yes, we did. Um, and if anyone knows where Dwight lives, I'll need a ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When some kid, runny nose, snot nose teenager, comes up to the Israeli army, and all of them are shaking in their boots, wetting their pants because this big dude over there screaming insults at them. It's the famous story of David and Goliath. And David comes up to everyone and says, "Who's this uncircumcised idiot?" Which is their kind of way of separating people. He says, "Who's this nut that's uh, that's defaming the name of our God?" And David said, well, I'll take him on. He said, God, let me be the lion that's trying to eat sheep. Let me have it. And uh, sure enough, and when he walked out there, Goliath, this huge, giant, nine-footer kind of guy, he kind of wished, man, maybe the Grizzlies could yeah. eat him. Um, <laughs> did, Goliath, did the Philistines have a basketball team? I don't know. No. <laughs> um, so anyway, he comes back there, and Goliath they said, <laughs> what is this that you send this mere pup out here? And David says to him, today you'll be buzzard bait. <laughs> now literally the Bible says the, the birds of the air shall feed off thy carcass. But that's buzzard bait, okay? He's going to be dead. The birds are going to be feeding off of him. Yeah. Um, you know that. How many, do they have turkey vultures around here? Uh, yeah, we got, yeah, yeah, we got a couple, yeah. I see them more in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Oxford. I actually live outside of Oxford. And... and uh, <laughs> They are all over the place. In fact, I think the only people that, the only part of wildlife that likes automobiles are the turkey vultures. <laughs> it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet up in there one road. So anyway, David should not have beaten Goliath. When you look at a nine-footer, you look at a five-footer, and uh, you look at muscle and brawn without the pads, and um, <laughs> you think that shouldn't happen. But uh, David had God on his side, and uh, even the slingshot that he used, most of us think of a slingshot as this thing, but theirs was a, a two strings with a pouch in it, and you would whip it around your head like this and then let go of one of the strings. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried one of those, but the accuracy is not good. Um, but I paid for the window, <laughs> and uh, mom's okay. Um, so sometimes the underdog wins. Thank you for listening to our podcast today, The Call of a Mentor. If you'd like to leave a positive comment or if you'd like to be on our show, please give us a call at 757-737-1111.
1-800-227-8714, or you can drop us a text message. You can also email us at communityservant85 at yahoo.com. We look forward to hearing from you. The Call of the Mentor is a production of Marriage Map Ministries and EOVBAA in association with Overwhelming Victory Radio. Our executive producers are Dwight and Angela McDowell and Dr. Greg Linville with Andrew Fouts as our associate producer. To find out more about Overwhelming Victory Radio or to listen to any of our sister podcasts, visit overwhelmingvictory.org.